Amen. Well, the Bible actually clearly talks about the importance of uh, the will of God. And um, I love uh, this, as Pastor always does so graciously, the perfect will of God. And uh, those of you that are online that can't see, or over the phone rather, it's a big cross and then it has like this Bible uh, underneath uh, the perfect will of God. So, um, but it's a wonderful art to display um, what God is trying to say to us. We need the word, uh, we need the cross, which is Christ. We need Christ uh, in our life. And so, and we need God to be able to uh, operate in his perfect will. The Bible, as I said, clearly talks about it. Let's go to Ephesians 5.15. Ephesians 5.15. And we're going to read from 15 through 20. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time or maximizing my moments or your moments, because the days are evil. Uh, verse 17, wherefore ye be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So here he's saying that, you know, if we don't understand the, the, the will of the Lord, then we are actually unwise. And then uh, verse 18, it says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is, is excess, but be filled with the spirit. And so, uh, and then it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual uh, songs, uh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and actually, if you read through the whole uh, uh, to the end, basically, of this chapter, um, it talks about the will of God for, you know, we as wives and husbands and the church and husbands should love their wives. And um, and it, it talks about all, you know, everything that basically even uh, uh, you um, on your job and how we should carry and conduct ourselves. So it's important that we understand and we walk circumspectly, not as fools, and that we also... Um, understand that uh, what the will of the Lord is very very important many of us want to know God's will for our life but when he begins to show us we respond with fear of uncertainty and we back down because we're we are focused on all of our preconceived shortcomings how many of us that, you know, we pray and we say, God, I just want your will to be done in my life. Whatever you say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then he tells us, and then boom, what we do? Well, no, not me. Somebody else can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it seems uh, above our own ability. And so we find ourselves like basically... Um, uh, like Moses. Good example is Moses. God told Moses. Now, Moses was, was in the presence of the Lord, right? And God told him, I want you to go and, 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 and deliver my people. And, and so, you know, Moses, now he's in the presence of the Lord. God himself told him what to do. But then what did he do? He, he gets out of the presence of the Lord. Now he's questioning himself. He's questioning whether or not he could do it, you know. And, and uh, God, God told him, I need you to do it. How many of us question what God tells us what to do? Yes, I, I see somebody here that's very honest. We've got two people that is honest. Hey, I'll include myself. Oh, we got three over here. 
<laughs> you know, and, and that happens because why? We are so focused on our ability and not his ability. And I can only imagine what it's like. It might grieve the heart of God where, you know, he designed us and, and perfected us and fearfully, wonderfully created us to do some awesome things. And the awesome things that he's really requiring us to do, we're running from. So, so can you imagine you being the work, worker, workmanship or a worker, uh, and you, uh, you're, the, you're the potter and you uh, develop something and you had uh, great expectations and you had plans and thoughts how you wanted this thing to function and operate, and then that, that thing failed you. And you gave it, this is, the, this is the irony of it all, you gave it exactly what they need in order to function. The only problem is they don't believe it. They don't know that, that it's not their ability, but it's his ability working in us. And so we got to understand that, um, you know, uncertainty actually uh, causes us to be in fear and backs us down um, when we are, are trying to do the will of God. Psalms 143, and I'm, I'm going to be giving you a lot of scriptures, so you'll have to write them down because we won't go to all of them. But Psalms 143.10 teaches, uh, it says, teach me to do thy will, uh, for thou art my God. Teach us, you know, that, that's a good prayer to pray. Lord, teach me to do your will. Um, Matthew 6.10, we're still talking about the importance of, of the will of God. Matthew 6.10 is where Jesus teaches us to pray that God's will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And when I thought about that, I was like, in earth as it is in heaven. So God is actually willing some things in heaven. And he wants what he's willing in heaven to be on earth. And so I thought about it, I was like, well, what are you willing in heaven, Lord? What you doing? <laughs> You know, what's going on in there? And, and so I, I went to Psalms 103, uh, verse 20, and it says, The angels hearken to the voice of God, meaning that they are obedient to his voice and his commands. So the reason why it, it, uh, everything operates so smoothly in heaven is because no one's bucking the system. They're obedient. They're hearkening to the voice of God. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to hearken unto his commands, uh, just like the angels do. Uh, do. And so, um, and then uh, in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Jesus himself told the father, uh, as he prayed in agony, Father, if it be thou will, remove this cup from me, nevertheless. So he, here's the, the second piece of that. Nevertheless, because at the time he was experiencing some agony and that pain was causing him to like, like God, okay, now if, if, if it's your will, I'm good. <laughs> but he says, nevertheless, not my will be, uh, uh, not my will, but your will be done. John 638, Jesus said when he came down from heaven, not he said this, not to, uh, to do my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. So over and over, we're hearing about the, uh, Jesus operating in the will of God. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says, uh, the God of peace through the blood of Jesus makes us perfect in every good work to what? Do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. So God is working through us or through Jesus uh, to us for us to be able to do his will. So we, we're not alone. See, sometimes you feel like it's just, you know, when he tells you to do something, it's you all by yourself. No, he's with you and he's going to back up everything that he says he wants to do through you. That's good news. 
You know, that's really good news. And it takes the pressure off of you, you know, because like right now, honest to God, I didn't know. I don't know how this whole. Uh, oh, I guess I ended. OK, I don't know how this whole sermon is going to go. But what I'm trusting as is that, you know, as I yield myself totally and completely to him, he's going to be there backing me up. Because why? I'm talking about something that's important to him. He wants us to do his will. And so why wouldn't he back me up? Think about it. Why wouldn't he want the people to know about his will? That knowing God's will is probably the greatest thing that we could ever do as Christians. Knowing his will. Because when you know his will and you do his will, then you're obedient. You know, you're obedient. And, and there's promises and things that comes along with that. So, you know, if we want to please the Lord, the way you please the Lord is knowing his will. When the scripture talks about delight yourself in him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, if you delight yourself in knowing what his will is, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. But why would he give us the desires of our heart and we don't even know his will? If we don't know his will, we can take what he gives us, which is good, and turn it around for our gain. We could turn it around and it, and it, it not benefit anything that he intended it for, it to, for it to be. So it's important for us to know the will of God. And, and it's important that you understand that Jesus himself, if, if he uh, is required to know the will of God, how much more are we? Think about that. How much more are we? What is God saying about us and, and how he wants us to actually operate and function in his kingdom? Uh, Hebrews 13, 20 and, and 21. Like I said, I got a lot of scriptures, so write them down. Um, it says, the God of peace through the blood of Jesus makes us perfect in every good work. Why? To do his will. Did I just read that? Okay. Uh, let's go to, well, Philippians uh, 2.13 says, for it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's one of our uh Masters, what is it? Master life uh, uh, scriptures. Um, so, for it is God who worketh in you both. There's two things: both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God has a plan for all uh, for all of us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven clearly states that. You know, for I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God says about uh, us and, and the plans that he has for us. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. So let's see here. I said Proverbs 16, 3. Commit thy works or plans unto the Lord and thy thoughts will be established. How many of us don't even dare commit our works to God? You know, we come up with a plan and we're like, okay, God, you fit in where I put you. But for the most part, we should be asking him about what is his desire? You know, commit our works unto him, uh, our plans unto him, and he will establish the thoughts. Think about that. He will actually give you what you need for that plan to be successful. If you actually commit it to him, you have to commit it to him. Uh, Proverbs 19:21. it says, uh, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of uh, the Lord shall stand. Now, I put that there because um, <laughs> what, what came to me, I'll, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. 
uh, Jeremiah 29 13 uh, says uh, and you shall seek me and find me uh, when you seek me for seek me with your, all of your heart so God wants us to seek him with all of our heart it's not just what's important in the moment he really wants us to bring everything unto him with our whole heart um, how many of us even ask father if it be your will you know used to hear the old people say well you know lord willing you know and and and, and some some of the stuff that 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 you ask them it seems like well god's willing <laughs> but they are serious about that lord willing um and and that's that's something that we probably should get back to or to do um because we take for granted really life we take for granted that um you know that that we're just going to be around to do whatever and so you know when 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 uh, uh somebody say can you come over tonight well lord willing <laughs> that's what the old people would say uh james uh james 4 15 says we ought to say if the lord will we shall live and do this or do that that's what it's saying that's it so what is god's will for our life Let's go to uh, 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. Starting at verse 8. And we're going we're gonna to do 8 to 10. All right. So one of the things, and you can write this down, one of the things, uh, what God's will for our life is, God has given us all a gift to use for others. For others. Verse 8, it says, and above all things, have fervent uh, charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man have received the gift. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God wants us to actually use the gift of love and hospitality. That's hard and, and very difficult when, you know, people are not lovable. But, that, but God didn't say only do it if they're lovable. God didn't say that. He, it wasn't conditional. But that, so that's one of the things uh, that God really wants us to do is he gave us the gift of love. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, the Holy Spirit at that point came in. The love of Christ came in as well. The scripture talks about the love of God is shed abroad our, our hearts. So he's in there. The, the love is in there. But we've got to activate the love uh, by, by tapping into it, by using our faith, and believing that we have the ability to love. How many of y'all feel like sometimes it's just difficult to love? Wow. Yeah. It is in your own strength. So if you're loving it in your own strength, guess what? It's going to be conditional. It's going to be, I love you if you love me back. If you do this for me, if you do that for me. It's easy. In fact, you'd be wanting to do all kinds of things for people when they do good things for you. But what about the ones that don't do nothing? What about the ones that don't even say thank you? <laughs> and, 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 and that's when the true love is tested, is when people aren't like reciprocating the love that you're giving. And remember it said, love covers a multitude of sins. Now, when it talks about a multitude, see, we live in a sinful world and we are subject to sin every day. 
And but love will cover that if we operate in it. But if we don't, we'll be basically no different from the, the unbeliever. And so God is requiring us to actually uh, exercise the love that he actually placed on the inside of us. Uh, he wants us to, to transform or be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let's go to Romans 12, and we're going to start at 1. Romans 12. Oh, bless you. God bless you. It says, um, let's see, verse uh, 2. I'm sorry, we're going to, well, 1. Let's go to 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, meaning that's the least we can do. And it says, and, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and what perfect will of God. So the only way that we're going to be able to, 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 to locate what that is, is by renewing our mind. We got to, you know, all of us, we know the world. We live in the world, so we we're subject to the world. But that doesn't mean that our minds have to be that way. There is a way that you can live offense-free. You, you probably want to know how. <laughs> you got to renew your mind. <laughs> you have to renew your mind and, and, and renewing it in what God says, what the will of the Lord is, and, and, and trusting that irregardless of um, the situation or circumstance or the person, um, God's got your back. That, I think, is very difficult for people to really wrap their minds around that God has your back. That's why a lot of people, it's hard for them to forgive because they feel like if I let this person go, they're going to get over. But they don't understand that God actually has their back. God actually is going to take care of that. He says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But if we don't wrap our minds around that, see, our mind has to be renewed to that fact that God will actually take care of these people for us. He could do more for these people than we can do for them. I mean, in, in terms of correcting them or changing them or even making them feel remorseful. You know, I've been, been in situations and people treat me bad and, you know, and I, I, I be thinking to myself, man, you know, I wish they would just recognize what they did to me. I wish they would feel what they did to me. And then when they didn't show any signs of it, oh my God, that was the worst. But I learned now that it's not about what they show on the outside. It's about knowing what God does on the inside. And sometimes people, see, to think about it, look, think about it. Even all of us in this place right now, God is still working on us individually. But I can't see it. You can't see it. You don't know the things he's working on me. Uh, you, do you know everything that he's working through me? Do, I don't know what he's working through all of y'all. But he's working. He's working. And so we got to, we got to, you know, get our minds off of how this person's going to pay, you know? I mean, and sometimes we even have, we, we have unforgiveness even in our own self, you know, like, like we don't forgive ourselves for what we've done. And so what we do is we try to pay ourselves back by treating ourselves bad. We treat ourselves bad by being in depression. We treat ourselves bad by uh, just uh, f fears. 
you know, subjecting your, ourselves to fears. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. We, we, treat, we treat ourselves bad when we think we're less than. We treat ourselves bad when we, when we feel hopeless. Why? Because we have not forgiven ourselves. God has already forgiven us, but we're still holding ourselves hostage to the problem or the situation that we created. And that ought not to be so. Uh, always, here's another thing, um, always give thanks no matter what. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, uh, Th Thessalonians 5.18. Let's go there, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. All right, it says, in everything give thanks, for this is what? The will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So when you think about that, let, it says, it says um, in everything give thanks. Now that's, that's very plain. You can't get no plainer than that when he says in everything. That's every situation, every circumstance, it's everything. And so even the bad and the ugly, we got to give thanks. Uh, there's another version that talks about, in regards of the circumstance, we have to give thanks because that is the will of God concerning you. You know, God actually, even those bad things that happen in our lives, we think that um, it's over. We think that nothing good could come out of it. And that is far from the truth. I mean, I, I can remember time after time I've either prayed for something and it didn't happen, and then later I found out, oh, the reason why it didn't happen, and I was so grateful. But at the moment, you, we want what we want. We want our will to be done. And oftentimes our will can jack us up. It can literally jack us up. And, but so God knows what's best. He knows what's best. And so when things don't go your way, you know, that's not the, that's, that's, you have to know, here's the thing, you have to know that in spite of the situation, God is act actually working on so many things behind the scenes. It's not just that one situation that he's trying to affect. It's not just that person that did you bad. It's you. It's, it's what he's building up and the character that he's building in you. So it's not just the one thing that, oh, I prayed and I fasted and I believed this thing was going to happen. And, and for whatever reason, it didn't. Well, God already saw ahead. And he already knows what your future, uh, what, what, what your future lies. So you can't, you can't just uh, give up and be hopeless and think that, that God's not going to somehow work it out for your good. I've been in relationships where I just, I mean, I really wanted it to work. I mean, you couldn't tell me, you couldn't tell me that it wasn't going to work, and, and I believed that daggone thing, and it didn't work, and now I see why it didn't work. But it was, it was years later oftentimes that I found out, but that's neither here or there. You just have to know when things don't work out in your favor in the way that you believed it to, be, to work out, that just means God's working on some other things to bring about his will, not your will. Let's go to, um, well, we don't have to go there just for the sake of time. But write this down, Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord works out everything in his proper time or proper end, even the wicked, uh, for a day of disaster. 
That's uh, Proverbs 16.4. Um, and I gave you Romans 12.19 when it talks about vengeance is his and he'll repay. Um, the other thing is God wants us to be sanctified. God is, um, or it's, it is God's will that you should be sanctified and that you should abstain or avoid or void <laughs> sexual immorality. Uh, let's go there. That's First Thessalonians. Thessalonians 4, verse 3. I'm in second. It says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of conspicuous, <laughs> I know the word, Cons well, y'all know what it is, <laughs> uh, even uh, as the Gentiles, which know not God. Verse, uh, where am I at? We're going to go to seven. Okay, uh, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified for God have not called us unto uncleanliness but unto holiness you know that that's a very very crucial that pe we get that because um, with the message that's going on now with the whole grace message um, it's really setting people up for failure is setting people up for failure in that um, everything is good, everything is under grace. Well, if that's the case, then if everything is under grace, then what's the difference between us and, and a, an unbeliever? There really isn't, because we're doing the same things that they're doing. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're cursing, and if we're if we're embracing that whole grace message, well, there's no reason for us to even try to sanctify ourselves. The scripture talks about be ye holy for I'm holy. So why would we, if we're trying to conform to the world, and remember we talked about in Romans, you know, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Don't be conformed is what it says. Don't be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. So what would what, what the purpose of the, 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 why would God do that to us, set us up? tell us we can keep doing and li living the way we lived before we accepted Christ in our life. And then we're, you know, and, and we're good to go? We're, go? we're good to go to heaven? What'd you say? I just think about let it not be named Right. Right. So, you know, when, see, God is, God is all about growth. He wants us to grow in him. He doesn't want us to stay the same. I'm not the same person I was before I accepted Jesus Christ. I hope you're not the same person. If you are, something is wrong. Now, what could be wrong is not because you're evil. It's, it could be discipleship. Maybe you haven't been discipled. But you have to grow in Christ. That's the only way that you're going to, you know, God is about relationship. He's about growth. And he's about impartation. He wants us to, to, to have fellowship and, and to have relationships with him 
He wants us to have relationships with Jesus Christ and he wants us to have relationship with the Holy Spirit and he wants us to have relationships with each other, like fellowship with each other. And then he wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. Why? So that we can actually now go from faith to faith to glory to glory and now, now then impart in other people that are maybe struggling or that needs to grow. So we got to get that because if God is about relationships, say that with me. God is about relationships. He's about growth. And he's about impartating, uh, impartating to other people <laughs> or imparting to other people. We got to get that. Uh, he's not uh, a lone ranger. He doesn't want us to be a lone ranger because if he can isolate us and get us to the point where we are by ourselves, then he can't grow us. See, what we don't realize is we need people to grow. And the very person that says, well, I don't really like being around people. Well, what you are actually saying is, I don't really want to grow. Because people will, 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 will cause you <laughs> to really, really uh, grow in the Lord. They really will if you allow it. You know, People will help you to see even the errors of your ways. Now imagine if, you're, if you isolate yourself and you say, I don't really want to be around people, you'll never know the error of your ways and you can be committing all kinds of sin. So it's important that we understand that God is all about relationship. And so he desires for us to be about relationships. Some people say, well, I'm just shy. I'm just shy. God didn't make you shy. You became shy. Think about it. If that, was, if that were the case, we know that everything God does is intentional, right? And we know that he don't waste time, right? And we also know that the scripture says that he fearfully and wonderfully created us for what? A purpose. So why would he create you to be shy? What would the purpose of that be when, he, when he's trying to cause an effect to happen in the earth? You can't be shy. You can't be by yourself. He needs you. He needs that which he created. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't, you can't uh, uh, label yourself because that's what the enemy is so cunning. He tries to get you to label yourself. Well, that's just not that my personality. You, you, you know what? That's not God's personality. That has become yours. But that's not the way God created you. He created you to want to wanna be in fellowship with other people. But sin has caused us to be blind and, 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 and caused us to go inward and, and, and feel like we're not worth it or we don't have what it takes or whatever the case is that tries to shut us down. And that ought not to be so. Uh, let's see. He requires that we do good. I, I talked a little bit about that. Do good and love our brother and his, brotherhood. Uh, fear God and honor uh, the king. Uh, that's First Peter two fifteen and seventeen. The other thing is his word is his will. His word is his will. God desires for us to be obedient and to follow his voice, which is his commands. And so you might say, I don't hear his voice. <laughs> so how many people say that? Well, I don't really hear God's voice. <laughs> Well, God took care of that by documenting his spoken word in the form of this Bible. 
And so when you think about that, you know, um, the Holy Scripture is, the, is his voice documented. You know, uh, transcripts in the court, like a court hearing, uh, provides a verbatim re record of exactly what was talked about. Well, that's what God did in his word, verbatim. So you may not be able to hear his voice, but you can know his voice by reading his voice. It, it, this is the transcript, verbatim. <laughs> so, you know, we don't have any excuse. And so we've got to um, understand that his will is his word. But, you know, if we're not reading his word, if we're not picking it up, you know, only every blue moon, then we really don't know his will. We really don't know his word. Every word in here, every spoken word in here is his will. And it's important that we get that. Um, we also understood uh, there's no way. Oh, he also understood that there's no way that we will be able to remember everything. And so he took the time out and had people, holy men of God, uh, neatly package it for us uh, so that we can always have it before us. And as I said, the problem is we're not picking it up. Every word that comes from God has power and authority. If we understand that, we will read this word like never before. I mean, if we really, really got hold of that, like the, every spoken word has a power. Look, even the angels hearken unto the, the word of God. So just like when, when, when we put the word out, when we speak God's word, the angels are hearkening not to my voice. It's, it's as though God himself is saying it. That's how powerful it is. Your words, talking, saying the word of God is so powerful, is like the angels are actually hearkening as if God himself is saying it. They don't hear Melanie. They hear God. That's why he says, my, my word will not return to me void, but it will accomplish all that I set out for it to do. My word, not your words, not my words, but his word. So the word is, this word is his will. And it, we, we really got to get that because God is endeavoring to give us, you know, the desires of our heart. We've been praying, we've been believing, we've been fasting, you know, but have we been in God's perfect will? Have we really, you know, and, and really this is a challenge for all of us, you know, to really think about it. Am, am I really doing my own thing? Am I really, you know, submitted to his will, his plan, his purpose? Or am I just out here, you know, uh, uh, just doing my will? So I need, we all need to be challenged with that. Now, in order to do as well, we talked about in Romans 12, too, how uh, we need to be renewed in the mind. We talked about that. Um, we have to also have a viable relationship with the Holy Spirit. Having a relationship with the Holy Spirit will help us to know the will of the Father. He's the, he's the central figure in this earth. And so having that vital connection with him, really, it... it, it he nudges you. He tells you when things aren't right. He warns you. I mean, and, and if, you, if you pay attention to him, you know, he will, he, he will literally guide every step that you make if you pay attention to him. So we have to have that vital connection with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans eight twenty seven it says, And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. So that's why it's important to have that vital relationship. I'm going to tell you, I used to hear people say, 
you know, uh, I really desire a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this one particular time I said, I was praying and I said, God, I just need to know that you're real. I need to sense your presence. I need to sense the Holy Spirit. Like, I really want to, you, you said you're, you're a friend, you're a comforter, you're you standby, you're an intercessor, you do you're all these things. But I hear people talk to you like as if you, you got a personal thing going on with these people. Like, I really felt like I was, like I was missing something. And uh, I don't know if any of y'all know Catherine Coleman. Uh, she was a, a general back in, back in the day, a huge general. As a matter of fact, she, uh, the Lord would use her to heal all different types of people. But she would, she would like in, be in this long gown and she would be like, shh, the Holy Spirit is here. It sounded kind of spooky, but the way she did, she commanded thousands of people, the audience. And it, all of a sudden, it would be like this hush in the audience. And everything would go silent. And then his presence would fall. And you would feel tangibly his presence. And one day, I was praying. I was like, Holy Spirit, I want to feel you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. And I cried out like that. And all of a sudden, it was almost like the only way I can explain it was like someone put this supernatural coat on me and it just covered my whole body. And I said, you're there, you're there. And I remember, I said, I need to, I need to pay attention to that. And so guess what? Every time I would ask the Holy Spirit, let me sense your presence, I would feel that feeling. And I say to him, I acknowledge him, you're here. You're here. I remember a time, and I, some of you may have heard this story, but I remember a time when I was feeling like uh, dry. That's the best way I could describe it. I felt spiritually dry. I felt spiritually thirsty. I felt spiritually dead even. And one, because I was going through the motion, coming to church, and, you know, I was singing in the choir, and I was doing all the deeds, but I felt empty and I felt dry. And this one particular morning, I said, God, I need something from you. I need a sign from you that you are real. I need you to just, I don't know, I don't even know what I need. I just need something from you. And that day, I went to church. It seemed like everything was business as usual. And uh, all of a sudden, the atmosphere shifted because my husband came up. And, and j j like, uh, if you can imagine, there was like a choir loft right here. So I'm in the choir loft, and he comes from the front seat, and he comes up on the stage, and he hands me uh, some money. And so I said, oh, thank you. I mean, I was like, oh, thank you. You know, I was pleased. All of a sudden, y'all, the whole church came up and just blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. Money was coming from everywhere. People were sobbing. People were telling me how much I blessed their life and, you know, I, I, how, how much they appreciated me. And, and, and I just felt God's presence over the whole thing. We got it on video. I have to show it one day. One day. But it was, it was the presence of God. I felt his presence. And he wanted to let me know, I see I'm there. Even when it seems like I'm not there, I'm there. And so that was such a meaningful thing. So I said all that to say we have to cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's always knocking and scratching on our hearts. He's always trying to get us to, you know, to be convicted. Now, you know, you said that to your wife. You know, you had a bad attitude to your husband. But but 
what do we do with that? Sometimes we ignore it. We just keep it moving. But he wants us to actually pay attention to it because when you do stuff like that, what you're doing is you're sharpening your ability even more to hear from the Holy Spirit. And he'll talk more. Why would anybody want to talk to you and you ain't listening? <laughs> I mean, really? Why would he want to talk to us and we ain't even paying him no attention? And then yet he gets the bad rap. I can't hear from God. He's been talking, but you ain't been listening. And then some of us will listen, but not with the intent to obey. <laughs> so we can listen all we want, just like we tell the kids, you know, what they say. You tell them to do something. I heard you. Well, if you heard me, you would have you cleaned your room. See, so they heard you, but they weren't obedient. Well, we, y'all think I'm talking about just the kids. It's us too. So God is always trying to speak to our hearts, but we don't oftentimes want to listen and obey. Listening is with the, the intent of obeying. That's what it is. That's what it, when it says hearken unto the voice of God, it's listened with the intent to obey. So we, we've got we've to like embrace that reality, um, but we need the Holy Spirit, y'all, because I'm telling you, he will, he will reveal things that you have no clue like he'll reveal things to you. He will, he will tell you to go this way. He'll say, he'll even tell you, say this, do this. Sometimes he don't even have to tell you you're so in tune with the Holy Spirit that you find yourself doing it. Like me and my husband, my me and my husband are so on, like on one accord. Like we don't have to tell each other, oh, this is what I'm about to do. We end up doing it because why? We're on one accord. So sometimes, this is what I'm trying to get us to embrace. You want to have that type of relationship with the Holy Spirit because he, I'm telling you, he's the central figure in this earth and he will guide you. He will tell you, no, don't do that. Don't, I wouldn't say that. Uh, this is the time when you can love this person. Uh, this is the time when you can just use some patience. Uh, this is the time when I'm sharpening your ability to have faith in what hasn't happened already. You, you understand what I'm saying? He will literally talk to us. And, and, but again, if the Holy Spirit is not talking to you, then he's probably not talking to you because you haven't been listening. All right. Let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> All right. Um, I gave you Romans 8.27, right? Okay, John 9.31 um, it says basically the same thing. And he that searches the heart knoweth what is in the mind. It's basically the same thing. But he knows the will of God. Um, and another scripture reference for that same, um, that same scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5, no, 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, 3 through 5. I'm sorry, 4, 3 through 5. So we've got to follow the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Now, a Sunday I made, I made mention that we need to follow the convictions of our heart. But that's assuming that your heart is connected with the Holy Spirit, okay? So I need to correct myself on that, you know, because sometimes what's in a person's heart may not be of God, okay? Um, now, what are some of the benefits? But before, I, I want to, I don't have a little bit of time left. I want to talk about some things that hinder us from doing God's will, um, we must get rid of they. We must get rid of they. These people we don't even know, but can be the greatest influencer. 
You know, like people, when I, when I was coming up, I would always say to my husband, well, they said, y'all know the they's I'm talking about. <laughs> they said, you know, these people, these people <laughs> can be the greatest influencer. They can get us to doubt the will of God uh, for our life. And doubt from others can make the truth seem false. Doubt from others can make the truth seem false. A good example is, uh, is uh, Moses. I talked about him earlier. But Moses was worried about what would they say. Um, we, here's another thing that hinders us from doing the will of God. We would rather be spectators instead of participators. Because, again, we're worried about failing. We're worried about what people are going to say. And oftentimes, as I said earlier, people, you know, uh, God is, is, is giving you what he wants you to do. And it may not be. Here's the thing about God. God may have some awesome, great things in store for you. But he'll see, are you going to be faithful in the little before he gives you much? So sometimes we be wanting the big bang. <laughs> and he's like, well, wait a minute. If I give him the big, they can't even handle the little thing. So how are they going to do the big bang? You know what I'm saying? But we so, we so, we so, we so immature, y'all. Think about it. We want what we want. We don't care. We don't, we only, we, we only, we're not even thinking. Half of the time, we're not even thinking. Some of the stuff we want ain't even good for us. Some of the relationships that we've been in wasn't good for us. But, nah, we want, we want. And then here's the thing. We're going to make it work. <laughs> We're just going to make it. And women are notorious. Women are notorious to find uh, the potential in something. But not really looking at the reality that the potential that you're looking for is not in that. You got to know when to cut your loss, in other words. Now, it may come out with somebody else, but not with you. It, it ain't gonna come out like you like like a good example you know my husband my husband was was with someone for six years and you know she and I'm sure she you know from time to time she probably thinks to herself wow he married somebody that had a kid which he said he wasn't gonna marry anybody that had a kid already made family he married somebody that was married before I never was married before I mean I'm just saying but for whatever reason I had whatever it took for him to make a commitment and she didn't she wasn't the one and so for six years for six years she she thought she was the one and all the while the one was way over across the states you, you see what I'm saying <laughs> so we as women we got to know when to cut our loss that's six years she can't get back <laughs> I'm just saying, six years is a lot of time. And I'm not just ratting on her, but even myself, I've been in bad, bad relationships. You know, I mean, that's a lot of time and, and energy uh, invested in something that wasn't going anywhere. It had potential, but not for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Uh, oh, that was pretty strong, wasn't it? Oops. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see, my time is winding down. Okay, so, so we got to get rid of the they's. You know, they say all, all that. Um, and then we also have to uh, be uh, 
participators instead of spectators. Philippians 2.13, uh, I said this and I said it, I'll say it again, but it's God that's going to work in you. So don't feel like you can't do things in your own strength. You're exactly right. You can't. But with God, all things are possible. You need God to do whatever he's telling you to do. You, we all need him. I can't be up here by myself trying to do what I'm doing. I need God. But they say, (laughs) (laughs) all right, Um, our feelings is another thing that can hinder us from doing God's will. They can be so strong that it can take us out of the will of God, our feelings. We are supposed to walk by faith, not feelings. (laughs) Feelings, (laughs) nothing more than feelings. You know, feelings gets, get, get you in trouble. It really does. Man, you hurt my feelings. I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make it. I feel like I'm tired. I feel hurt. <laughs> feelings, man, they get you in trouble every time. Okay, um... We, oh, let's see, I've got here, uh, another thing is we want to pay back. We want to pay back somebody that did us wrong. That's, uh, I got here, read First Peter, let's go there, First Peter 3. <laughs> okay, First Peter three seventeen. It says, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. <laughs> See, right there is telling us, you know, how many of us, somebody do us wrong, we, we want to do evil. It says, for Christ also have once suffered for sins, uh, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So even Christ actually um, realized that, you know, basically he suffered for our sins, to be honest with you. That's basically what this is saying. He suffered for our sins. So we've got to be willing to uh, do well when evil has been done to us. That's kind of hard to do sometimes, but that's the will of God. That is the will of God. See, if you want to see something work out for your good, this is what you have to do. Otherwise, if, if you do what you do, God, is, God will not sign off on that. And if he signs off on that, then what he's doing is he's keeping you stuck in a place where you can't grow. And he's all about, remember we talked about, he's all about growth. So, you know, we, we, we got to. <laughs> all right. Um, disobedience is another thing that will hinder, hinder, us, hinder us from doing God's will. Uh, God's will should trigger obedience. Pastor said that actually in our gifting and calling class. I thought that was pretty big. He said God's will should trigger obedience. But how many of us are disobedient? Disobedience is, is like, uh, um, uh, well, it's like witchcraft, I guess. It's, it really is like witchcraft. So when we decide to do things our way, what we're, what we're doing at that point is committing witchcraft. Yep. 
um, listening to the doubt from you or others. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21. It says, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So we can't be listening to every, everything and everybody. Um, lack of humility is another thing that can hinder us because it takes uh, humility um, to be able to do some of the things that God is requiring us to do. Humility in that you're willing to look bad. Humility that you're willing to mess up. How many, how many people feel comfortable messing up? Raise your hand. <laughs> oh, we've got a couple of people. Okay. I'm going to ask you uh, uh, that question at the end because I would like to hear that how you feel comfortable messing up. That's good. Okay. So, but it takes humility to be that way. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, and then the other thing is another hindrance is not believing in Jesus. Uh, John 640, you can read that on your own. Um, simply put, the word of God is the will, is his will, and our obedience to his, his word puts us in a position to receive his perfect will for our lives. That's simply put right there. The word of God is his will, and our obedience to his word puts us in position to receive his perfect will for our lives. And that's the bottom line, really. It's the bottom line. So, you know, we really um, have to uh, look at, <laughs> look at, do we really want um, all that God has for us? Or do we um, want to settle for what we've become? So think of where you are right now. Think of, think of where you are and where you desire to be. And so like even, even in your spiritual walk, in your professional walk, uh, in every aspect of your life as a parent, as a, as a, as a husband, a wife, you know, think about what it is that you desire yourself to be and check yourself, okay, where am I and where do I desire to be? Because if where you desire to be is far greater, God bless you, is far greater than where you are, well, you got to get in the will of the Lord. You got to get in his will. Because if you're not there, that's an indicator that you're not necessarily or we're not necessarily flowing in his will. See, God wills us to do some awesome and great things. But if we are uh, uh, like mediocre, you know, there's, we, we settle for just being medi or mediocrity. That's not really uh, allowing God to get the glory in our life. See, God gets glory in our life when, when he starts to see us produce fruit that he created us to do. So if you're a writer and you're not writing, well, then he's not getting glory in that, right? And let's say you're not writing because you think you're not a good writer. And it's probably far from the truth. You think you're not a good writer, but writing's not for just you. It's for other people to participate. See, everything that we are is for somebody else. 
if you think it's for you, that's what's going to trip you up because you go, you are your worst critic. You're your worst enemy. You will, you will dissect that thing and you will come out of that session of your mind and say, I can't do it. Or I don't think I'm good. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good whatever. Uh, sports. Like if you're in sports, you know, if you think you're not good, then you're going to not be good. Like you got to really see that, man, okay, if, if I have a passion to play, this is for both of y'all, if I got a passion to play, then is it, could it be that the passion that God put inside me is for a platform that's far greater than uh, uh, high school, far greater than college? I mean, could it be? But if you just see yourself as just a uh, high school athlete, guess what? You'll end up being a high school athlete. But if God gave you a passion for something like that, what you want to do is develop that. You want to develop it. You want to, you want to spend time with God and, 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 and lock in to find out how you can be better. Because I guarantee you, everything that we do in life is, is here. It's this. It's the, it's the brain. It's the mind. The mind tells you that you're not good. The mind tells you that you're not, you, you don't have the skills that you need to, to get it to the next level. The mind tells you you can't uh, get that job that maybe is a way uh, more than what you've ever got paid for. See, your mind will tell you stuff like that. I can remember when I was going for job interviews, uh, I would always pick a, a job that was within a certain price range. Why? Because I didn't think I was worth anything more than that, which was a lie from really Satan. He didn't want me to tap into really what God put in me. And so we got to quit shortchanging ourselves. Knowing the will of God will help you not to shortchange yourself. I, I can only imagine what it's like for God if when we get to heaven. Oh, what, wouldn't this be a tragedy if we get to heaven and he lays out before us exactly what his plan was all along. I mean, wouldn't that be like awful if, it, if the plan was, you know, I, I really purposed you to be this, uh, I'll use uh, Thomas Edison. He's the one that created the lights, right? Now, he had many failures in life, right? So he could have easily quit. But today we're in lights because of him. How many times you failed at something? And if you could have kept trying, you could have, who knows where you could have been. But imagine standing at the pearly gates. You get in, and he says, well done, my good and faithful. But, <laughs> there, this, let me show you, let me show you what I really created. And then he ran a screen of how he really saw what his plans were playing out, his thoughts that he had for you, his, the plans that he had for you. Like you actually saw yourself playing out that role. Would that be awful? And you, say to your, and you would say, oh my God, I could have been living like this in the earth and this is what was, this was really possible? That would be awful. To get up there and realize that we have been living beneath 
his design. Living beneath his workmanship. And then there's another thing that plays and it shows us on this screen like almost a mirror but it shows what we did as opposed to what we should have did. <laughs> that would be awful. So I can only imagine when he sees us playing out our lives every day. He sees us playing our lives out every day, y'all. Every choice we make, every decision, all that. He sees us playing, playing it out. And he's up there in heaven saying, no, that's not what I created you to do. Stop. No, don't go there. Don't. No, no. Oh, she went there. You understand what I'm saying? So I can only imagine it grieves the heart of God that we are less than what he designed us to be. And so today I challenge everybody, really, really desire the will of God for your life. Because when we do that, we open up the possibilities that we had no clue exist. There's tons of possibilities for all of our lives. But when we go through disappointments and setbacks and things like that, we give up. And God's saying, no, keep moving. I got more for you. I'm going to work this thing out for your good. Keep moving. I need you to keep moving. Don't stop. Please don't. Oh, and he, see, he saw me stop right there. Right there. I stopped because the disappointment happened. I stopped right there. And then over here I saw if I kept moving, what was going to happen? Jesus. So we got we to gotta get to a place where we uh, embrace the reality that we need to walk in God's perfect will. Because it's only then when we become happy. It's only then when we become fulfilled. It's only then when we can please God. He says, delight yourself in him and he will give us the desires of our heart. Not delight ourselves in us. Delight ourselves in him. And we do that by staying in the perfect will of God. And so um, that's it for this evening. Glory to God. All right.